I'm going to request something of you today, if you are physically able, that while I read the word today, that we stand before God in honor of his word. Um, I'll tell you where to find uh, what I'm reading. If you go to Mark chapter 10 and put your finger in this one, Mark 10, 27, I'll come to that one. But I'll begin in John chapter 6. So Mark 10, 27, one verse there. Put your finger there and we'll start with John chapter 6, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked him this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they rode three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And now I want to go over to Mark chapter 10, verse 27. One verse here, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Here's what I want you to catch. But not with God. All things are possible with God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Pastor Dwayne Miller is the author of a book called Out of the Silence. And it is a book that features uh, his personal struggle with life-altering ailment and confusion about God's purpose for his life. As I said, he was a pastor, and he was stricken with a devastating diagnosis around 1990. A severe virus had infiltrated the nerves of Pastor Duane's vocal cords, a condition that medical experts say to this day would leave a person completely mute, unable to speak. On the book that he wrote, the back cover, we read these words. 
Overcome by a seemingly permanent, debilitating injury to his vocal cords, Dwayne Miller was forced to give up the life he loved as a pastor and a teacher. And I'm just going to interrupt myself for a moment and ask you to not just let those words, don't let this gloss over. I want you to consider what it would have been like for this man who loved teaching the Word of God, loved preaching, and suddenly his voice was taken away completely. And then with breakthrough technology, he was able to begin teaching Sunday school again. What the technology included was a microphone, a special microphone that could be taped to his throat so that they could hear when he would attempt to teach. Um, He did begin to teach, but each short session teaching was followed by days of excruciating pain for him and recovery. That was until God miraculously healed him while he was teaching one Sunday morning. And it says here, not only read about Dwayne's miracle, but listen to the dramatic audio of the miraculous Sunday morning that Dwayne received his healing as he taught. And we have that. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. I'm uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little choked up when I hear that every time I hear it. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He made wine from water. And in our scripture lesson, he increased bread and fish by an enormous percentage, walked on water, 
and transported a whole boatload of disciples instantly to the other side of the lake. You're going to hear this a lot this morning, this phrase. Nothing is too hard and nothing is impossible with our God. He is a great God. I have noted for you before how easy it is for us to read something, a chapter like I just read to you this morning from the scriptures, some 2,000 years removed. It is, it's, it's, uh, it's easy for us to read from God's holy words something like what we just read this morning and not really get it. Not really let it sink in. But will you slow down for just a little while this morning and rethink what we just read What a day. What a day that was filled with God's awesome power. Multitudes of people were affected by the power of Jesus Christ on this particular day. Things happened on this day that is hard for me and maybe some of you for us to wrap our minds around them, for us to really comprehend what happened, they are jaw-dropping amazing things that transpired on this particular day. Now, some 2,000 years later, it is difficult for us to really absorb the enormity of that day in the life of Jesus. But I will repeat this phrase over and over. Nothing is too hard and nothing is impossible for our God to do. These astonishing things did happen. And and if they did, if we're able to get our minds around the fact that this actually happened, then I have to wonder out loud if we really believe that the Bible accurately reports this one day. One day in the life of Jesus. And I think the answer to that would be a knee jerk. Yes, I do. I believe that Jesus did all of those things. I believe John chapter 6 wholeheartedly. I believe that he healed many people and people came to see him. That there was a multitude of 5,000 men with their families. So somewhere beyond 10,000 people. I believe that on that day when Jesus was ministering to them, that he fed them from Five little barley loaves and two little pieces of fish. And that he fed them so well that they had food left over. Food that were put in baskets and carried away. And I believe that when the disciples were rowing out there some three, three and a half miles from shore. That they looked up and they actually saw the Lord walking on the water. And I think that most of us would say, yes, I believe that. I think it happened exactly the way the Bible says it happened. So then I have to wonder out loud if we believe that that day happened as it's recorded in this book. And if we believe in the other events that are recorded, the miracles that Jesus was reported to do. If we believe just in those miracles alone, when he raised the dead and he did so many incredible things. If we believe that, then I wonder why in the world do we have trouble with faith? Why do we struggle to trust a God like that? Because, my friends, nothing is too hard. And nothing is impossible for our God to do. 
And I stand in amazement. If this is an accurate depiction of one day in the life of Jesus Christ, it is to me compelling evidence that there is nothing too hard for God to do and nothing impossible. And I repeat to you, what a day. What an incredible day. Oh, Heavenly Father, open our minds and our hearts this morning to the reality of your greatness. Help us to see, to really see, to truly understand that nothing is too hard for you and nothing is impossible for you. That when Jesus said with God, all things are possible, it is true. In the sacred name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. So look with me again at these verses. And if you will allow me to to highlight four things that these verses, this particular day of ministry, uh, reveal about Jesus. And some of you just got scared and thought, oh, no, he always only preaches three points. And today he's preaching four. But I promise to get you out on time. Your chickens won't burn in the oven. Okay, so I'm going to move through these things. These verses highlight the capacity of Jesus to heal. Verse 2 tells us and refers to the miraculous signs of healing that Jesus had performed on the sick. And now since I've highlighted the capacity of Jesus to to heal to you in other sermons. uh, And again, you took note that I said four points instead of three. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I simply want to remind you that Jesus is a healing God. And that he performs Uh, feats of healing that just defy logic. Let me tell you what Jesus did. He healed people who were incurable. He healed incurable diseases that today in 2017, the things that he healed could not be addressed with modern medicine today. And Jesus healed them with a word, with a touch, with his power. Jesus would heal people who were written off by medical sciences. He made lame people who had been born lame walk and run and jump. He made eyes that never saw the light of day see again by touching them or putting mud in them in other ways that he did. With a word, he even raised the dead. I want to highlight to you that nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ. That is the God that I serve. That is the God that I know. And no wonder there was a crowd of people headed toward him. They're trying to figure out how is it that this man was able to touch a leper and bring him back to full health again. How did this man make that crippled beggar run and leap and praise God? How is this man able to do these things? And they were coming to him. And I love this picture of Jesus being a healer. Listen, I prayed about it this morning. But Jesus has healed many people sitting right here before me. Amen. We certainly have a keyboard player that shouldn't even be here today. But Jesus has healed him and done a wonderful thing. This week, Joe got to ring a bell that said, cancer is out of my body. That is the power of the Lord. This is a man with stage four pancreatic cancer and lesions on his liver. He should not be sitting here. He should be celebrating in glory, but thank you, Jesus, we still have this guy here. He heard our prayers because, my friends, nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for the God that we call on. 
I'm going to tell you that very shortly, in a few matter of weeks here, I'm going to have Joe and Jamie share their story. So you can hear from them what God has done. I know we've been here and we've seen God do it. But I want them to give you some details that they haven't just shared openly. But how God has stepped in. And listen, to this day, and I'm I'm not going to steal Joe and Jamie's thunder. But there's a sense in which they are grateful. That Joe went through what he went through. Because the visitations of the Holy Spirit to this couple. The closeness of our God who stepped up. And let Joe know that he matters. And the power of that, that visitation, the suffering that Joe has gone through has been real. But the power of healing that Jesus has given him is just as real. You see, my friends, nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible. And I need you to understand something about this God. He is eternally God. He has been God for eons and from before time was was created. And he is no weaker today than he was when he healed on that day. He is he hasn't diminished in his power. He hasn't gotten tired and he does not age. He is the same yesterday, today and forever because nothing is too hard and nothing is impossible for this God. Every single ailment. He is able to heal. He's greater than it all. And I just want to remind you that there is a day coming. And it's predicted in the book of Revelation when every sickness, every ailment will be banished forever. Praise God. It will be cast into the pit of hell. And there'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more strokes and heart attacks. There'll be no more ailments then. All of our pain will be done. No more depression. No more sorrow. No more need for meds. One day is coming when all of that is gone and defeated. By the way, it's been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. By his stripes we are healed. And one day it will be eradicated from the human race because of the power of the Lord. Nothing is too hard. And nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ. These verses highlight his capacity to make little great. And this is something you've heard before. Verses 8 through 13 uh, are good verses to reference what I'm talking about. A lot of preachers have preached this point too. And I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite principles of Scripture. I love it and it moves me and emboldens me, I will tell you. So I know you've listened to this. And I know you've heard that God can take a little thing and make it a great thing. But please indulge me to go there again. And let your mind go there again. Because again, this is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And one of my favorite biblical principles to talk to you about. And I, I, this is how my mind works. I, I, I see movies in my mind. I paint pictures in my mind. And that's why I can't wait to go to heaven and get a real playback device so I can see this day of ministry. I still think it's going to be like a holodeck on Star Trek and I'll just get the 3D it and see it all. I don't know. Well, however God wants to do it, I'm okay. But this is one day I want to watch. But I, I see in my mind's eye... As these people are approaching and Jesus gets a little curl in his lip. And I think, just to be honest with you, Jesus had a wonderful sense of humor. I love the humor in scripture. And I can see him looking at poor Philip. And Philip, unsuspecting, hears these words. These disciples are feeling overwhelmed. Ten thousand or more people are headed towards them. And Jesus looks over at Philip and says, hey, Philip, we got to feed these people. Where where are we going to get the food? 
You talk about an assignment, man. You talk about a scary moment for him. And Philip's like, uh, 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 and he stumbles a little bit. And, and perhaps it was his month to be in charge of the money. I'm not sure. Usually it was Judas. But anyway, I can just see the expression of the deer in the headlights. And he's looking at the Lord and he goes, eight months wages wouldn't give everybody a bite out there. What are we supposed to do? And then I love the kind of the, the, the faith that Andrew has. And, and I don't know how this transpired exactly, but I can see him bringing a boy up to him. And maybe he spoke to the little boy. Maybe he saw that the little boy had a lunch that his mama had packed for him. And, and maybe the little boy just happened to be breaking it out to eat something. And, and suddenly Andrew says, hey, can, can you come with me? And I see this little boy, sure, and he's walking with, with Andrew, and Andrew presents him to Jesus and says, here's this little boy, and he's got these five loaves of bread, little barley loaves, and he's got two pieces of fish. And then he asks the question, and I understand this question, but, but what is that? What is that little teeny tiny bit of food going to do for so many people who have need? And I can see that smile just maybe just break a little more. And Jesus says, give them to me. A little boy volunteering his lunch. And that's a powerful moment there for me. But anyway, in my mind's eye, I watch as Jesus then has them get baskets and says, get some baskets, each of you. And I'm, I'm, I can see them turning away from Jesus like, and don't act like we don't do this. And rolling their eyes out. Now what is he doing? Or is he crazy? He's good. We're getting baskets for five little, little teeny lunch like that. So he bring these big baskets and they set them in front of him. And then to their amazement, Jesus thanks the Lord, thanks his father and blesses this fish and this bread and begins to tear it off. And he just keeps going. Fills up. A full basket. And he picks, uh, that basket is picked up and it's taken to the crowd and emptied and brought back. Basket after basket, basket after basket. Until more than 10,000 people eat so much that they can't eat anymore. The food's still coming. And then Jesus says, now collect the pieces that are left over. And they go and they get 12 baskets back. And I can still see the smile on the face of the Lord. I can see the expressions on the people. I can see them whispering, how is this happening? Could this be the prophet that was to come to the world? Who does this? And the reason this happened was because nothing is too hard. And nothing is impossible with the Lord Jesus Christ. The God that I serve can do these kind of things. Can I ask you something without sounding arrogant or, or mean-spirited? Do you ever take time to meditate on stuff like this? Because if you do, it should warm your heart. I have a God who can take so little and do so much with it. Would you please meditate on this passage for the, for the next few moments? I'll tell you, if I would have stood there and seen this transpiring, I would have been speechless. I don't think the disciples had much to say. Not even Peter. They're watching this happen. And they're participating in this, this amazing miracle. So every bite that every person ate came from the hand of the Savior. And every bite that every person ate was blessed by the Savior. And he had taken... So little. And he had made it so much. 
And I want you to know that that is a biblical principle. It is what God can do. He takes the small and he does incredible things. Everyone ate. Everyone was satisfied. And that would have been enough, right? If they just would have been satisfied. But no, he gives them abundance because that's his way. He doesn't just heal. He heals and he blesses. Amen. He doesn't just bless and give. He gives in abundance. And that's just the way God is. It is God's way. And a preacher could preach a whole series on this principle alone. Listen, this is something that God does, though, all the time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 31, I love this, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things in the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. And it's because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, Holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And you'll just have to forgive me today because I will boast on him and tell you nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for him to do. I'm boasting on him today. You see, a tiny seed becomes a tree Two little cells develop into a whole person. A walking stick for Moses became the rod of God. A tiny little bit of oil met the needs of a family through a prolonged famine. And a stone became a giant killer. And a little shepherd boy became the greatest king uh, that the nation of Israel has ever had. A tiny little bit of faith will move mountains. Little things in the hands of Jesus become great things. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible for him. So the next time that you are feeling like I have nothing to offer the Lord... What I am is too small. What I am, what I have is too little. And God can't do anything with this. I want to challenge you. Instead of looking at it that way, just give him the little bit. Hand it over to him. And watch what he will do with your little teeny pathetic offering. Watch how God works. Watch his ability to take your little and make it great and do mighty things. I've had the honor and privilege after offering to him whatever little bit that I have, my little bit of talent, my little bit of intellect. I've had the awesome privilege to be part of miraculous things because of the Lord's goodness and his ability to take what is small and tiny and to multiply it exponentially to something so big. I need to keep moving. I see these verses talking about his capacity to supersede natural law. We just talked about Jesus taking so little and multiplying it to more than enough to feed a multitude, tens of thousands of people. And to do so, I I promise you, he employed his ability to supersede natural law. If you don't think so, go buy even big loaves, five big loaves, and two of the biggest fish you can get and try to feed 10,000 plus people with it. You will understand quickly, no, the Lord superseded the natural law that he created. And in verses 16 through 20, there's yet another example of his capacity to just justify the natural law and what natural laws dictate. Because we all understand that none of us, no human being, has the capacity to walk on water unless it's frozen. We just can't. 
And let me just tell you something, and I hope again you will allow me to take you here mentally. I want you to just go here. It is dark. And the disciples have been straining against the oars of their boat because the winds were really whipping. And I believe that probably the water was washing, the waves were washing over the bow of the boat. And it was getting a little bit hairy, even for experienced people. And I think that they were struggling and they were focused on just getting to the other side. And then to their amazement, on top of the waves, as the boat goes up and down, suddenly they see a man. They're three and a half miles away from shore. And they see a man, a figure of a man, walking on the water. And I love what the Bible says. When they saw him, they were terrified. Can I stop for just a second and tell you that the Bible is wonderful about understating things. Okay? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that once they were on the other shore, they had to change their clothing. That they were really scared. And I'm just going to submit to you, you wouldn't have been much better either. It would have terrified you. First of all, you're struggling for your life. It's dark. And suddenly you see Jesus. And do you think he had a little curl in his lips again as he was walking toward them? And they look up and they see him and they started screaming bloody murder. And some of them in other accounts said, it's a ghost. Okay, they believed in ghosts, and they were scared, man, and they just knew they were about to die. An amazing thing, when Jesus speaks to them, and he says, don't be afraid, it's me. It's just me. And I love what the Bible says here, when they were willing to let him in the boat, <laughs> when they were willing to let him in, suddenly he, trans- he, he superseded another natural law. And I don't know how this worked, but he transported them from the middle of the lake to the shore instantly. He stepped in the boat, and the next thing that they knew they were on the other side, he stepped off on dry land. <laughs> and I, I'm praying to God that he gives you faith enough to understand this happened. Because nothing's too hard. And nothing is impossible. With the God that I love and I serve. And he regularly supersedes the natural laws that he puts in place when is needed, when he when he wants to. You know why? Because he is Lord over all of that. He created it all. And so when he wants to do something, he can do that. As creator of every natural law, he can and does suspend or supersede any of those laws that he pleases to do when he wants to. He can make an ocean split right down the middle and let a multitude of people walk on dry land until they hit the other shore. He can rain down fire from a sky and lick up the water and the sacrifice that is there on an altar. And he can make the sun stand still. He has the power to walk into a a fiery furnace and to protect three of his servants and keep them from even smelling like smoke. You see, he can change water into wine. He can walk on water. He can do whatever he wants to and he can take a little boy's lunch and he can feed a whole multitude of people because with Jesus, nothing is too hard and nothing is impossible. And I want to talk to you how these verses also talk about his capacity to instantly transfer people from peril to safety. In verse 21, that's what happens. They let them in the boat and they're in peril. Okay? Can we just know that? It wasn't a pleasant moment there. 
as they are struggling against this storm. And it, it was probably pretty iffy at this point. But you'll remember another time when Jesus was in the boat with them, but he went to sleep. And they're out there, and the Bible says a furious squall. Again, understating something horrible was happening to them. And they're out there, and the, this time in that furious squall, they, the, the water is, is coming over the bow, and they know they're going to drown. And one of them finally wakes up Jesus and says, Don't you care? We're about to drown. And I just love what Jesus does. He calms the storm that time instead of just, uh, instead of doing anything else, he just stands there and he rebukes the wind and the waves and they all lay down. They do what he says because he has that power. But in this case, he gets in the boat and I don't know if the storm calmed down or not, but what I love is when they let him in, he steps in the, in the boat and they're on the other shore. And I, I use this to give an analogy of something that the Lord Jesus does all the time. In case you and I forget, whoever here is a believer and has a relationship with Christ, in case you forget, there was a day when your soul was in peril and you were headed to absolute and utter destruction. And most of us were on a self-destructive path. Amen. A lot of us can say, yeah, I sure was. My life was a train wreck. And I've seen this over and over. It happens every day on this earth. I don't always see it face to face, but this happens every day. Jesus steps into the midst of all of the chaos and the peril and the danger. And he, if he's allowed on board, he instantly translates them into safety. They go from the, the clutches of the enemy who is about to destroy them into the grace of our God. And I love what the Bible says to us about anybody who is a believer. They are in the palm of the Father's hand. And nobody or nothing will snatch them from that palm. And I want you to know that Jesus does that today. The same way he has always been doing it. Because nothing is too hard. And nothing is impossible with him. I have to tell you as I was preparing this message and thinking about you. And I've been praying for you. I, I, I had a sense in my heart that there are some people here. And you are really at this moment struggling with believing God. There are some of you who have a great deal of doubt in your mind that these events even happened the way that the Bible says they happened. And I'm praying for you. Because I want God to give you faith today. And I want to ask you if you're in that camp. What if it really did happen? And what if the Bible records things accurately? And what if there really is a God like that? Don't you need to know him? Don't you need a relationship with him? There are some others here, and you've had things happen in your life, and you question where God was. Why did this happen? Why didn't he do this? Why is this happening in my life? And some of you are struggling with how can I believe when, and I hear this a lot in, in, in conversations with people, how can a merciful God and fill in the blank? And there are people who struggle with that. You've suffered a loss or you've struggled, uh, you've suffered some, some other painful experience and you have to wonder where's God? And I just want to remind you 
that there is so much about this life that we can't get our heads around. So it is a good thing for me personally to just know, and this is where faith comes in, that the God I serve is great enough to walk on water. And the God that I serve is great enough to take a little boy's lunch and feed 10,000 people with abundance. The God I serve is able to heal with a word and with a touch. That's, and so if he's great enough to do that, my little piddly problems are little and piddly. And God has them. And he's got me. And some of us struggle with this. I, I hesitated to tell this last night. I'm, I'm going to tell this once again. And, and I'm going to ask Joe if you're willing to come to the piano and just play for me. Um, most of you have heard the story that, uh, of my life and my testimony. I've shared that pretty readily. And most of you know that throughout all of my teen years, my mother was uh, deeply addicted to drugs. And she acted like an addict. My mom was a very, very abusive mother and um, did and said pretty horrible things to me and because I was a believer and um, she frankly hated believers, hated preachers. And I can remember going through years of verbal abuse and, and physical abuse and I can, I can remember uh, the harsh things that my mom would say, the mockery that would come out of her mouth as uh, she would uh, make fun of my walk with the Lord. She mocked me often. And I remember many times her walking by and just, just hitting me and uh, clocking me in the face or something just because I was a believer. and just Just weird hatred for God. And I can tell you that throughout a great deal of that time, I prayed for my mom. And I asked God to save her. I knew she was an addict. And I knew that a lot of her behavior was being shaped by her addictions. And in her more lucid moments, she hated herself for what she was to her children, to my father. But um, there were many times when it was overwhelming. And I remember I prayed for a long time. And then I saw one day... Something that horrified me, and I guess you just would have to be about 16 and experience the things that I had from age 12. Um, And I saw one day as my mother was so angry at God, and she stood in our living room, and she shook her fist at God, and I saw the twist on her face, and she screamed at him and cursed him and said, I hate you. And I remember thinking to myself, she may be too far gone. It it may be at a point where she can't get reached. And my heart sunk as I watched her do that. My mother was literally possessed. And I, you know, I've told you about that experience of the of times when when the temperature of the room would go down and the stench would fill the room and I knew she was nearby and, and the presence of the demon. I've talked to you about that. But I remember about that period of time when my mom was in the worst of her addictions and in the throes of all of this, when she did that. And I remember some people uh, just giving up. They just dropped out and stopped praying for my mom. And it was a few years, just a year or two after that event, 
where I told my mom that God had called me to preach and I I was going to Bible college and she mocked me and uh, gave me a pretty hard time about it. Told me I wasn't preacher material, that I wasn't worth anything. That was a daily thing. And um, I went to Bible college and I remember just wrestling. And I'm not proud of this. I had told my roommate, who was a good friend of mine, Terry, about my mom. And and we had prayed fairly often together, brother to brother. And one day I just stopped. I just thought, you know what, I just, I I don't know. I don't even know if she'll be, she'll get right with God. You know, I wasn't hearing anything from her. So I just was irritated about it. And I stopped praying for my mom. And I still remember the day that I was laying in the top bunk of that dorm room and the Holy Spirit came to me and so clearly said to me, Ken, why aren't you praying for your mom anymore? I haven't given up on her, but you need to pray. And I remember speaking to Terry, my my roommate, and I say, Terry, I I need you to help me pray here because um, I need to ask God to forgive me because I just kind of wanted to stop and I need to ask God to help me to pray and believe my faith was shrunken down so low for my mom and Terry and I prayed and I'll just share with you that it was a matter of weeks that I went home and she came to Christ and God helped me learn something that day nothing is too hard nothing is impossible with him and nobody is out of reach if there if there's a heartbeat, if there's breath in their lungs, they're not out of reach. And that I should never stop praying and believing God. Somebody here is struggling with faith. And you're just discouraged. But I want to remind you, we serve a big God. And He does things that we can't think or imagine or get our minds around. So I'm praying for you. I want you to know this week that I prayed for you and this morning I prayed for you because somebody here needed to hear what I just preached to you. And I ask you when it's quiet get your Bible out and look at John 6 one more time and let it sink in. This is who Jesus is. This is what he can do. This is who he is. Nothing's too hard. Nothing's impossible with him. So the piano is playing. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. And I wonder if there is somebody who just needs to pray today. Perhaps there's somebody here who would have to say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Christ. I'm not, I haven't trusted in him. I haven't believed in him. But I, I, I sense that I need to today. And I want to pray to accept the Lord as my Savior. We have a candle lit. Somebody who did that last week in our church. I need to accept Christ. I need him today. And you just want to acknowledge that. And if you want, you can step up front and we'll pray with you. Or you can do this. You can simply acknowledge it by lifting your hand where I can see it. Nobody's looking. And by doing that, you're indicating to me at this point right here at this spot I give my heart to the Lord I let him on board so that he will be my God and I will serve him and I wonder thank you very much you can put your hand back down I wonder if there's anybody here 
who would say, Pastor Ken, I'm a believer, but I'm just struggling. I'm struggling with faith. I'm struggling with believing. I doubt God sometimes pretty badly. And I need help from the Lord. And I just want to ask you to remember me in prayer this week as you pray. If you lift your hands, I will do my best to hold you in prayer. I love God, but I sure am struggling. Amen. Any others? You can put your hands back down. Is there anybody here who would say to me, Pastor Ken, I don't know what to think. But I'd like you to pray for me. And you just slip your hand up and I'll remember you in prayer. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I just want you to pray for me, Pastor Ken. I don't know what to think. Father, we thank you that you are a great God and you do so many amazing, wonderful things. I have, after a lifetime of study, become even more convinced that nothing is too hard and nothing is impossible for you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a powerful Savior. I pray for those whose hands went up who are struggling with doubt and for those whose hands went up to say to me, Pastor Ken, I don't even know what to think. Oh, God, will you reveal yourself in a fresh and new way to all of us, actually. Build our faith, oh, God, and show yourself mighty. Lord, help us to sense your glorified presence among us. And, Lord, I pray that you'll take a hold of our church and you will do in it and for it what we need in order to be an effective church for you. Minister to our hearts, oh, God, and thank you again for your presence this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.